1: And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. I'm your host, Evan Marinovsky, back for a third straight week of hosting. I hope you guys are enjoying these. Um, I thought the past two episodes were really, really good. If you haven't listened, go check them out. Brett Finger uh, was on from Kane's Country on SB Nation. to preview the Hurricanes-Bruins series. Obviously, we know how that turned out. Then we had Marissa and Jemmy on the next week of the Boston Herald to sort of sort out what the Bruins were doing right against the Hurricanes. And then the Bruins won. I think the day that podcast was released, if I'm not mistaken, the Bruins uh, beat the Hurricanes in four. Now the Bruins wait, and now we wait for the Stanley Cup. Somehow the Bruins are in the Cup. It's crazy. There's Cup craziness everywhere. It's it's a fun time of year, especially if you're a Bruins fan, especially if you're a Bruins writer like myself. It's fun because the focus is on us. It's It's on us Bruins people as a whole, Bruins listeners, Bruins writer, Bruins players. It's on everybody. So it's sort of our time. I was saying to someone the other day, you know the Red Sox have their time all summer. The Patriots are from you know August until you know like February, and then you have the Celtics and Bruins competing after that up until whoever lasts longer in the playoffs. This year it's the Bruins, and right now it's all Bruins all the time. That's why listen to this. This is fun. I love talking Bruins. Um, and I think this show is good. You're gonna really like. I I have Connor Ryan on this week at BostonSportsJournal.com. Connor's emerging fast. Uh, and the Bruins media community, very analytics based, um, does a lot of great work over at BSJ. It's his first year there. It was at Mass Live for some years before. Uh, getting big on Twitter. Uh, he's every night it seems like he has a viral tweet, whether it be a joke, a meme, um, or more importantly Bruins per se. Great gifts, great in depth depth gifts. Connor and I are usually battling back and forth on who posts what first from each game. So we kind of put our rivalries aside for this conversation and, and dove right into everything Bruins. I think you'll really like this because we sort of touch on a lot of current things. We talk about, you know, obviously um, sort of the layoff and how that affects them. You know, who the Bruins would rather play, the Blues or the Sharks and why. We, You know, we sort of get into the Bates-Pataglia comments on Bruce Cassidy. And then we go bigger picture. You know, how good a job Don Sweeney's done, how much he can be credited for this. And we look back at some bad trades made by, you know, Don Sweeney, Peter Shirelli. We look at all that fun stuff. So without further ado, here's Connor Ryan and I's conversation on this week's Bruins Beat. All right, so we're here with Connor Ryan of BostonSportsJournal.com. He's our BetOnline.ag guest for the week. Connor, what is up?
0: Not much, man. What's going on with you?
1: Just kind of count down the days to the cup we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon so what like six days until the Stanley We have the scrimmage something on like Thursday. That. yeah it's um it's exciting I mean what this is both our first cups we're covering my, I'm still in limbo I don't my credentials were waiting on they should be in I hope I hope to God um, but you are officially covering your first Stanley Cup I know I probably know the answer to this but like what how do you feel?
0: Uh, I'm well, I'm pretty excited. I mean, when you look at just the, the kind of run that this team has been on, and I think everyone's kind of talked at length about uh, just their performance in the postseason, and so many guys have stepped up for this team. I mean, you've seen in, in previous years where it's pretty much that top line for the Bruins done all the heavy lifting, and it's kind of a testament to this team that, you know, the Bruins' top line with Bergeron, Martian, and Pasternak really didn't break out until that game four against Carolina. I mean, when the Bruins are already in the cup final and Bergeron has only scored one five-on-five goal the entire postseason, I mean, that should kind of speak at volume as sort kind of the the group that this team has and how much, you know, secondary scoring they're getting and next minute mentality and all those kind of cliches. But I mean, the Bruins are really kind of uh, adhering to that. And I mean, it's been a great run for them, but, uh you know, as you kind of alluded to this, this break that they have right now, I mean, it's definitely going to be a challenge for them just in terms of hitting that ground running in a, in game one, I mean, you saw how it was with Columbus when they had such an extended break. And I mean, they were really flat in that game one at TD Garden. So, uh, you know, Bruce Cassidy is going to do a few things to kind of make sure they're you know, prepared for it going into Monday night's game. But I mean, it's still going to be a challenge. I really don't know what to expect, you know, from the Bruins in that game one, especially in that first 20 minutes.
1: So you, you alluded to the layoff. First of all, you alluded to cliches. My favorite Stanley Cup cliche is hashtag because it's the cup. I think that is one of <laughs> my favorite cliches. It's so stereotypical, but it's so funny. Um, but you mentioned the layoff, and it's 10-day layoff. It's, it's a long time. What are your sort of thoughts? I mean, do you think the Bruins come out of this good? Do, do you think this possibly affects the Bruins, or does it negatively affect them?
0: I think, you know, it's going to be inevitable that you're going to have some rust forming, whether it's, you know, Tuka Rask or just any of the guys. I mean, you look at the, the run the Bruins have had. I mean, they had literally one day off between the Toronto series, like a seven-game slugfest going into a Columbus series. They get past Columbus, and they only get two days off out of that. So, I mean, they've pretty much been playing every other day for pretty much the last five weeks. I mean, it's it's been quite like the, the haul for them. So, I think when you look at a break like this, you know, if it was – three, four games, then, you know, it, it kind of works out in their favor where you have, you know, Zdeno Charo, who's been battling an injury, he gets some rest, you know, everyone obviously has their bumps and bruises, you know, a shorter break like that obviously is pretty beneficial, but when you're sitting around for, I mean, like 10, 11 days, I mean, I think, I was reading that, I think this is the longest break in between a conference final and a cup final for a team in a salary cap era, I mean, like, this is a major break for them, and you know, they're obviously going to be doing a scrimmage on Thursday over at the Garden, but, I mean, as a whole, you have to imagine there's going to be some rust there, especially in that game one, and hopefully, if, if there is any, they're able to kind of snap out of it pretty quickly because last thing you want to do is have someone like Tuka Rask start off pretty slow um, in that game one against whoever they're going to play against because it's kind of been the case over the last couple of years. I mean, I think out of, like, the last 13 Stanley Cup champions, 10 of them have been the team that has had the shorter turnover uh, coming out of the conference final, which you know stats are not really on the on the Bruins side going into this round. But again, there's a team that can kind of buck the trend. It's probably the way you know this team is playing with so many guys stepping up. But it's definitely going to be something you have to worry about going into Game One.
1: Yeah, I I look at this layoff and as you said, the numbers don't 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 help them at all. The last 16, you know, are the last 16 Cup teams with the most rest, Two and 14. Last six have lost. So it's I don't know. I mean. They feel like they're in such a zone, and, you know, as you alluded to, you go three straight series where you're just going every other night, boom, 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 and and now they're just not playing. Now they're just, you know, 10 days of what are we going to do, and I think it'll help the veterans. It'll help the guys nursing injuries, but for these younger guys, keeping their focus, you know, and and it's funny, at practice on Monday, Dan Roach kept bringing up, you know, it being summertime and how's it feel playing hockey. For the younger guys, you wonder, you know, are there outside distractions during this 10-day run? I mean, obviously, you want to stay focused, but there are a lot of outside mm-hmm. things going on. The weather's nice. I mean, I'm, it, it's beautiful outside. It really is. Right. You do. I, I don't know. I think they come out in game one, at least the first period, and sort of maybe lay an egg. I mean, what's funny is, though, with bad first periods, you couldn't have a worse first period than you did against... The Hurricanes in Game Three, when mm-hmm. they give up twenty shots to the Canes, and two Rask stops them all. I just wonder that if whether or not Rask is one of the rusty guys, right? Um, exactly. Exactly. So, um, we're recording this, as I said on Tuesday afternoon. It's a tough time because it's going to be out at the game. You know, Game Six between the Blues and Sharks is happening essentially tonight. When you when you people, when you listeners are listening, it'll be tomorrow night, uh, or yes, last night what am I doing? I don't even know what day it is. Um, time is a
0: construct, man. No, no one knows. Time is
1: a construct. Who knows when time Who knows? Um, but it's Blue Sharks. Bruins played in one of those two teams. Who, what matchup better benefits the Bruins? And then on the second part, who do you think wins that series?
0: Well, I think if you look at it now, I was going into the series, I thought, you know, they'd rather play the Blues just because I thought that the Sharks kind of had the, offensive firepower that can at least kind of go toe-to-toe with the Bruins. You've seen how, you know, the Bruins over these last couple of series have used, you know, whether it be their power play or anything on special teams to really give them an edge over an opponent. You look at the shocks when they're playing kind of at their, you know, at their capabilities when you have like a power play where you got guys like Eric Carlson, Brent Burden on the blue line, guys down low like Logan Couture. They can kind of, you know, go toe-to-toe with you in a, in a game or two, and that's something that I think could help them kind of extend a series like that. But, I mean, when you look at it now, the way the series has gone, I think the Bruins would be, uh, like, doing some assaults if they had to play the San Jose Shacks. Because, I mean, it doesn't look good for the San Jose right now based on how, like, banged up they are. But, I mean, you look at Eric Carlson has not been 100%. For pretty much the whole postseason, but especially now. I mean, you look at him, he's kind of like it's, – it's tough to see because he's kind of a shell of himself. I mean, he's he barely was able to play in the last uh, – in third period of, of uh, on Sunday. Uh, you look at Joe Favelski's a game time decision today. Um, Thomas Hurdle, who's been one of their best forwards, he's going to be out. I mean, if the the Sharks somehow win this game, win Game Seven back on home ice, I mean, they're going to be a you know a banged up crew going into that series. And for as much as we talk about you know the the risk with a long you know layover and stuff, if that goes to a Game Seven, and San Jose only has three four days to get those guys healthy, I mean. Uh, I mean, you look at Eric Carlson, the way he's playing, I don't think this is an injury that, you know, you're going to sleep it off for two, three days. He's Mm going to be back to even 75% of what he is. And Eric Carlson at 75%, still a pretty damn good uh, defenseman, especially in the O-zone. But, I mean, he hasn't really given them anything at all. So, I think if you weren't looking at the matchups, Bruins will definitely take San Jose, who I think is going to win. I think St. Louis is going to close it out, uh, in game six, I mean, you saw how they completely dominated San Jose on their, you know, on their own ice on Sunday. I mean, it seems like they're just getting, you know, production from everyone. Jordan Bennington uh, gets a shutout. You know, he's obviously been a revelation for them ever since they started this run back in January when they were in last place in the West. I mean, it just seems like everyone's kind of stepping up for them. I mean, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, who's been their go-to scorer for, uh pretty much the last five years or so. I mean he's he had a point in every single game so far this series, but he's not like he's the he's lighting the lamp. He's mostly just setting up some of these other guys that are really kind of uh their chances. So St. Louis is kind of the same kind of mold where it's I mean got big uh you know big defensemen, uh, you know, you know, defensive forwards like Ryan O'Reilly who's, you know, been one of the best two way guys in the league for a long time. And then you have so many guys that are kind of stepping up that are, you know, making a name and on the box score night in, night out. So I think St. Louis is the tougher matchup because one, they've got the momentum. They have so many guys that can kind of burn you, and San Jose is kind of seeing that firsthand right now.
1: Did you see that Vladimir Tarasenko penalty shot in Game Five? Oh yeah. I mean, what a raw! I mean, that should, if you're a Bruins fan or Bruins, it should scare the hell out of you. I mean, it's insane. Um, oh yeah.
0: I mean, like when you look at him too, like as I said, like you know, he's primarily been like a facilitator so far this series, but still, I mean, he's a he's a sniper. Like that guy can still change a game. Like with just one like, you know, shot from, like, 45 feet out. I mean, he can change a game like that. Like, they he, got so many just, weapons.
1: He just whipped that out of nowhere. I mean, I just came in and just bang. I was 3-0. Right. My game was over from that point. It's funny. You mentioned Ryan O'Reilly, and I think the tougher matchup, I agree with you, the Blues 100%. And going to the series, I thought it was the Sharks. I also think the Blues are going to win this series. But when you look at their line combinations – Ryan O'Reilly is somewhat is basically just Patrice, like Patrice Bergeron. They're both great two-way forwards, great in their own zone, great in the O-zone. O'Reilly hasn't even really hit his stride, kind of like Bergeron in the offensive zone yet. At least when it comes to getting on the, you know, scoring five-on-five five goals. Um, but you have to wonder with the line matchups, how Bruce Cassidy would figure that out with the Blues. I mean, you can have Bergeron go against O'Reilly, and they can just kind of cancel each other out, or O'Reilly. Goes against a guy like Krejci's line and shuts them down. So it's it's weird how that would work. And I and you know again that would be a physical series as hell. That would be a Blue Blue Jackets Bruins on steroids because that Blues team, I mean, they are Eric Carlson is is a is a wounded guy out there and they are exposing that ass, hitting him every possible chance they can get. So I, I'm with you. Um, Blues are definitely the harder matchup, but but I think they'll win. I think they win in Game Six um, Tuesday night. Yeah, I think they put it away. Um, so another thing that came around this week, and Bruce Cassidy kind of got a question about it. It was – they didn't say the guy's name, but it, we all knew it was kind of hinting at this. So Bates Battaglia, who is a guy I have, honest to God, never heard of. I had ne- – you know, look, I, I'm a hockey fan, love the game, been following it my whole life. Don't know who this guy is. Did you know who he was, Connor?
0: Uh, I, the name was familiar when I saw it, but I had to, you know, do a, a quick browse through, you know, hockey reference. Like, oh, right. It's one of those <laughs> ones you have to, you have to browse through it a little bit, but.
1: Yeah, I had a no clue, no idea who he was, but he came out on the Spit and Chicklets podcast and basically ripped Bruce Cassidy, called him, said, uh, when he was asked about him, he said, oh yeah, he's a piece of shit, tip to tail, never liked the guy. I don't know how he is still a coach. It boggles my mind. I honestly didn't know he was still coaching. I randomly saw a highlight. As you can tell, I don't follow the NHL a lot, so this is obviously a valid opinion. Um, I watched some, but I am not a diehard, but I saw him on the screen and I couldn't believe it. It just shows how good Boston is. That they are playing well despite him. And then when they were, when he got asked why he's such a bad coach, he said, just unprepared, just unorganized. Maybe things have changed. I hope they have, but yeah, that was not my bread and butter there with him. For reference, Pataglia played, uh, on the 03-04 capitals when Cassidy was fired midway through the season. I mean, Obvious those are harsh words. Cassidy kind of the other day, or uh, Monday, said that, you know, he's grown as a coach, he's more comfortable in his own skin, yada, yada, yada. Obviously didn't call out Bates Pataglia, didn't address him, you know, directly. What's sort of your reaction to those comments when you see them?
0: Uh, I mean, I think, you know, Cassidy sums it up pretty well in saying that. I mean, you look at that situation when he was head coach of the Capitals, I think he was what, I mean, late 30s, I believe, like 37, maybe Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, a coach, you know, pretty inexperienced at that point, just up at the NHL level getting to that point. But, I mean, Cassidy has mentioned, that you know, the way he's mature, but he's still, you know, a very passionate guy, a guy, who plays, you know, who who leads with a lot of emotion, you know, demands a lot from his players. Um, I'm sure at that point when you're, you know, a guy 37 years old, you know, trying to make him act in the NHL, I'm sure it's going to rub some guys the wrong way, especially a guy who's probably been in the league a few – or like a veteran guy. I mean, I'm sure it's, it's going to ruffle some feathers along the way. So. I think when you look at it, though, the, you know, I don't understand the merit now of how Bruce Cassidy at 37, he has not changed at all now as a head coach of the Bruins. How the Bruins are winning and, you know, despite him. I mean, you look at the, the job he's done since he's taken over as Bruins head coach and, you know, the way he's an you know, accountable guy post game who'll admit when there's, you know, a miscue or something going wrong. I mean, he's made great moves to shove up the lineup when needed. Um, you know, I, it's one of those things where I just don't see how you can equate. Bruce Cassidy back in 2002, 2003 to Bruce Cassidy in, you know, 2018, 2019 and how they can even be this, the remotely the same guy from a coaching perspective. I mean, look at Bruce Cassidy now. I mean, the guy is, like, dropping analytics uh, like references during post-game interviews. I mean, it's, the whole NHL has changed drastically since, you know, 2002, 2003. Like, And it shouldn't be much of a surprise that Bruce Cassidy has changed as a coach as well. And obviously the Bruins are kind of reaping the rewards in that regard because, I mean, he's He's made massive strides in in terms of leading his team and kind of getting them back to that championship level of contention.
1: Yeah, I think you put it really well. I mean, back in the in the time though, I think those comments were were accurate. I mean, mm-hmm. Bruce, the, there was a Washington Post article that came out, you know, shortly after he was fired. Former players kind of ripping on him, saying he was unprepared. You know, he came in with a like to a preseason meeting uh, with stuff written on a napkin. He was late to things. I think he. It, I read somewhere that he called uh, – he said something about players' families affecting their, their their play on the ice, something. Which, I mean, Cassidy's an open guy. I think he's pulled it back, obviously, since then. But, yeah, no, I think at the time those comments ran, I just don't – I mean, come on, you say you don't follow the NHL and you're going to rip a guy like that. It's just – I get it, though. I mean, he's probably still pissed off at sort of that whole um, – whole. Right.
0: I mean, again, you you can have a bone to pick with someone, but also if you don't think a guy – especially a coach where there's so much nuances and how they kind of go about their business can't evolve or change over, you know, more, you know, close to like 20 years. I mean, I, I don't understand how you think that this guy who's kind of run through the gamut, kind of, you know, took his lumps, went back down to Providence, was head coach there for a while, kind of built his profile back up. And now he's, you know, seeing, you know, the merit of all that hard work now with the Bruins. I don't know how you to just summarize this guy based on the one half season you had with him when he was your coach. You know, it's just – it's very nearsighted in my opinion, and obviously it's—I don't think many people kind of agree with this sentiment now at this point.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody does, but I think at the time there were probably a lot of guys on that team who did agree with what hey. what Bates say, saying. Obviously, you know, years later. Um, but before we get back into Bruins, Connor, I want to tell you about something—one of my favorite things. I want to tell the listeners about one of my favorite things, and that's BetOnline.ag. They're more than just some online betting platform. There's a lot of them out there, but none are quite like BetOnline.ag. Their approach is to focus on the player, and they've built their incredible reputation on offering you, the clients, nothing but the best, from cutting-edge technology to enticing promotions and the latest sports betting odds. They have it all. They're famous for their sports book, where there are live lines on all major sporting events across all the major sports, including... The NHL, which is pretty, as Connor, as you know, a pretty big topic right now. Um, their live betting feature allows you to bet on your favorites quick and easy and in real time. I told you I to have everything. If you'd like to bet on the Stanley Cup games or any of your other favorite sports, use my personal promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com backslash Bruins. To get 50% cash back on your first deposit. Again, that's promo code CLNS50 at CLNSmedia.com backslash NHL Bruins. If you guys like to keep this podcast free, which I imagine you would, go there and take advantage of this great opportunity. Again, that's betonline.ag. All right, Connor. So, um, obviously, they're, the, the Bruins are in the Stanley Cup, as we all know. And, you know, around this time, you sort of look bigger picture. You look at things from outside, you know, go 500 feet above, look at kind of how everyone's job, uh, how they've done their job. You know, we looked obviously this week with the Bates-Battaglia comments, we just talked about Bruce Cassidy, the guy who's under a microscope right now, how good a job he's done in the two and kind of half years he's been here. Um, I think John Sweeney deserves to be looked at as well. And when you look at the guys he's brought in and the job he's done, I think he's done a pretty good job. How would how, how much would you say Don Sweeney's responsible for this Bruins Cup team? Well, I
0: think especially when you look at, I mean, the the strides they've made this postseason and some of the guys who have made, you know, the the bigger difference in getting them over the hump. When you look at, I mean, Charlie Coyle and Marcus Johansson alone and what they've done on that third line and really transformed it because, I mean, it's it was the case from start of September all the way through pretty much uh, mid-February, mid where, I mean, that third line is pretty much just a black hole. I mean, tried Sean Corrales that to stop air. Jacob Forsbacka carlson wasn't able to take over, Colby Cave they brought up to try to fill in there, they spotted in guys <laughs> like Ryan Donato. It was, Trent I mean, Frederick. Trent Frederick, yeah, who, I mean, beat the crap out of Brendan Tanner. That was, like, probably the highlight of that third line for the first, you know, five months of the season, but... Look at how much that line was just like, you know, just like an afterthought on the team where, I mean, the fourth line with, you know, Corrali and Chari, Wagner, Nordstrom, those guys were pretty much the de facto third line when you look at minutes and reps and stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, when you look at just within, you know, the context of this season and what Sweeney uh, what did to add those two guys and the way they've really kind of transformed that line, giving them, you know, a viable, you know, option on both ends of the ice, especially once you add getting high into that mix where, you know, he's a good defensive, you know, defensive forward, doesn't let a lot of chances to get by him. Uh, and then you add in, I mean, I think that line has been responsible for, I think, like five five-on-five five goals this this postseason, which is pretty close to the level that the Bergeron line's done at five-on-five five play. Like, that should speak volumes as to what, what you have here. And it creates matchup problems for the other team, too. I mean, if we want to look at it from the St. Louis Blues perspective, like, sure, you know, pre, put Ryan O'Reilly's line. With Bergeron, you got like that matchup where you hope to shut each other kind of down, but, you know, is it going to, who's going to be the one that shuts down, you know, the Creachey line? And then you have to, you know, worry about the Coyle's line as well. Like it, it had so many problems, and that was the main issue for Carolina where, all right, you know, you can put Jordan Stahl in that group on Bergeron, try to slow them down, but, you know, who's stopping, you know, lines two through three? And then, you know, if the, if the fourth line's doing well, you know, and a good forechecking shift and they're able to get a goal, you know, it's just, too many fires to put out if you're the opposition. So I think if you look at it from the context of this year, and I think you have to give Sweeney an A-plus for what he's done in terms of just, you know, build, you know, kind of going for it this postseason, you know, getting those guys that's going to push them over the top. Similar to 2011 when you get guys like Pevely and what they did to kind of transform that bottom six, and you're kind of seeing the same thing play out this year.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you on Johansson and Coyle and depth guys. I think – what Sweeney did in the summer of 15 when he got hired inheriting the cap the team that was so cap-stricken you know shipping off Lucic Savard's contract was so big i think Sweeney's best move to date honestly was firing Claude and 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 promoting Bruce Cassidy because the you know the Claude Julian days felt really stale it's, you know guys weren't really playing for him it was just a very meh mood. They missed the playoffs two straight years. When when Ch- Claude got fired, it looked like the Bruins were gonna miss it for a third straight year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it for the Cassidy who sort of rejuvenated that team. If you remember, uh, I think it was the night that he got hired. They played the or the night after they played the Canadians. They crushed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I think that was one of Sweeney's biggest things: was bringing in Bruce Cassidy, promoting him, this whole new brand of hockey, fast. Even Cassidy did yesterday. He's like, "Look, you know, me and Don pretty much agree on everything. There are times when we disagree, but for the most part, we do agree." So I think the fact that you know he was able to kind of bring the you know raise this team up from the dead because I mean Connor for a few years there, this team had some bad contracts, they had underperforming guys. I mean, I, you'd, you'd agree with that, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you look at especially, you know, the the common trend was. I mean, the biggest thing that's always going to be hanging over downstream is that 2015 draft, which like, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. We already know the whole the story with that. But when you look at the, you know, the state of the team, when you look at, you know, 2016 or the end of 2015, where they missed the playoffs again, and you look back at the old days when they won the cup in 2011 and, you know, Bergeron was 25, Krejci was 24, Sagan was 18. You know, you had all these guys that you thought this team was going to be a wagon for the next decade and all kind of fell apart so quickly that the fact that they've been able to, you know, orchestrate this kind of rebuild on the fly, you know, keeping that same veteran core but adding these pieces, I think it's a testament to how, you know, Sweeney's able to identify some of that talent to put them over the top. And when you look at, I mean, again, Beyond that 2015 draft, you know, you have the way they've kind of hit home runs, especially in the blue line with Brennan Kahlo, uh, Charlie McEvoy, who somehow dropped all the way to where he did in that draft, which I, I, I still don't know how that happened. Uh, yeah, you're
1: a BU you know. guy, so you wanted him going first overall. Oh, of
0: course, yeah. I mean, naturally. Um, but, like, you look at him, you know, getting a guy like Connor Clifton after he after he's done with Quinnipiac, you know, just finding these guys that have slaughtered in perfectly, I mean, in most situations where you lose a guy like Kevin Miller, who's such a, a key part of that third pairing for this team for the last four or five seasons, I mean, that'd be a huge hole in the lineup. And Connor Clifton has filled in seamlessly. I mean, he's been such a key addition to this team. Adding a guy like Matt Grislake, who obviously has been in the system for a little bit, but the way he's playing out, like, there's so many little pieces to this team that are really, you know, it's very much, you know, the sum of its parts and adding guys you know, fourth-line guys like Chris Wagner, Joaquin Nordstrom, all these all these pieces are fitting perfectly with the established core that this team has. And, I mean, you're seeing the results for yourself. So that's a, a big credit to Don Sweeney for identifying these kind of small pieces that have all kind of been part of the bigger picture here with this team.
1: Yeah, we, we all love Cliffy Hockey. It's one of our, our favorite things, us, us young reporters. We love Cliffy Hockey. When I look at the Bruins – I cannot believe they're in the Stanley Cup this quick and for the main reason that from the Phil Kessel, Tyler Sagan and Dougie Hamilton trades, they have n- well, they have nothing from the Kessel and Sagan deals. The <laughs> Dougie Hamilton deal was Sanetian, JFK, who today is going back to Sweden, and Jeremy Lausanne who, you know, jury's still kinda out on him, people are iffy. Senecian's pretty much a bust at this point. I don't know how they've been as you said, this rebuild on the fly no pieces from Tesla are still there. Sagan's the, the Sagan deal was was terrible. I mean, that that was just baloney. That was awful. And the Dougie Hamilton trade, we've really seen nothing from. And they're in the Cup. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I
0: think it's it's just a testament to the established court they have, and you know the fact that uh, I mean, you you're not in this position if you know a guy like Brad Marchand who went from you know obviously a fourth liner, kind of test guy in 2011 to a guy that was a productive winger with Bergeron, but I mean, to elevate his game towards that now where he's had, you know, he's flirted with 40 goals for pretty much the last 34 seasons, 100 points this year. Obviously, David Pasternak, who if he wasn't injured, would probably be hovering around 45 goals, maybe 50. I mean, those two guys, obviously, making the strides they have has been key, but look at the way Bergeron's continued, to, you know, his great level of play. Probably going to be in line for another Selkie this year. I mean, the drop-off hasn't been there for him. Clear high in points for him. Uh, you look at um David Krejci, probably his best year in a long, long time. He had to oh, yeah. Again, Tukarask, who I think that's another thing you have to credit Don Sweeney for. You kind of saw it last year where Anton Kudobin was really able to, you know, spell him for quite a bit, and the results kind of paid off. They kind of, you know, took that next level this year and got a guy like Yaroslav Halak to kind of really split time with Tukarask, and I think that's been huge for him in the way he's been able to be so consistent and well-rested during this playoff run, so I think, you know, John Sweeney, you have to credit him for the what he's done to kind of put this team in the right position. But, obviously, again, it's the cliche term, but, it, you know, it's also on the players to kind of execute that the vision and the plan that the organization has. And when you have the, these veteran guys who have been here for over a decade that are continuing to play at such a high level and kind of leading the way, it makes things, you know, much easier when you're planning around when you already have you know, five out of your six, top six, all set out. You got, you know, guys on defense you can trust. It makes it so much easier that you can kind of then plug in the little pieces to kind of put that team over the top.
1: Oh, yes. um, It's incredible. It's insane this team is here. I honestly didn't expect it this year. I'll be 100% honest. I saw them losing the second round of the Lightning. I think pretty much everybody did. But <laughs> they've proved me wrong, so – Good. I get to hopefully cover the cup, so who cares? Um, but before I let you go, Connor, uh, we both say it's probably going to be Bruins Blues in the cup. Let's say the hypothetical it is Bruins Blues. I'm going to hold you to a prediction. What do you think that series plays out as?
0: I mean, I think that I, I think you kind of said it best, Lou, earlier when you said it's pretty much going to be Columbus-Bruins kind of on steroids. I mean... That's the way I view this. I mean, St. Louis, you know, plays tough. They've got that momentum. They've got kind of that, they're the, like the one remaining Cinderella in the whole bracket where, I mean, again, last place in the entire NHL on, like I think January 3rd, what they've done since then, but nothing short of remarkable. Um, But they play, you know, committed team defense. They got big guys on their blue line. You know, uh, Ryan O'Reilly a great two-way guy. Tyler Bozak, who was a pain whenever he was on the Maple Leafs for the years, has been a key part of that team as well. I mean, they just have so many guys that can kind of, one, burn you in the O-zone, but also can really kind of are very accountable in you know, the defensive zone, defending in front of Jordan Biddington, who, again, has been spectacular this year. So I think that's a series that gets dragged out. I, I'm going Bruins in seven, but, I mean, I really think it's going to be a slug test. I mean, again, just watch any of the highlights from the Shock series and how they kick the snot out of pretty much every single guy on the Shocks roster. I mean, it, it's tough to watch, like, if you're seeing some of these guys get knocked around, but. That's what I can. That's what I'm expecting going to the next round.
1: Yes, I say Bruins in six because uh, the Blues actually I think will get hurt. They are a physical team. They're they're starting to wear down. Obviously, you get to this point in the playoffs, you beat the hell out of everybody, it starts to wear on you a little bit. I think with the rest the Bruins have, I think it will kind of help them because they're kind of rehabbing a little bit. The Blues on the other hand kind of need that rest. They might not get it. I don't think they have they have any big injuries right now, not to my knowledge. But I mean. Guys are obviously dealing with stuff just under the under the you know under the radar. Um, so I would say Bruins in six, but I think either way that series is exciting. I wouldn't be surprised if one seven. I would be surprised if it was anything less than six. Oh, um, yeah. sort of hoping it would be someone in seven, so we'd get to I, at least. I'm not traveling, but you're traveling, right? To the way. you – Yep. I'm not.
0: I'm in Where I'm going to be, but I will be <laughs> in Louisville San Jose.
1: Where would you rather go? Probably San Jose, obviously. I have
0: been. I've been lucky enough that I've been to both. I've only mm-hmm. been to St. Louis, like just on like a a trip, and I was there for uh, a day and a half, and I was not uh, the biggest fan of it. So I will really. Gladly- I will gladly take California over Saint Louis. Yeah, mean, go, you go,
1: no, Louis, go for, oh, I thought you said you didn't like California. Okay. That oh, makes, no, no, no. Say, I've been to California
0: a million times. I love it. Yeah, San Jose is awesome. Yeah, no, I mean St. Louis you go, you see the Arch, you're like, Oh, that's nice, you can see Busch Stadium and then there's nothing to do there. You go to Waffle House or something to buy your time. It, it's I'm not a big fan of St. Louis. I don't think most people are, so
1: yeah, the arch is so bad. I love your Boston accent. I I knew I was I knew
0: I knew was, was doomed when I as soon as I said that. So I yeah, that. No, that is
1: the garden and the arch is, it, but I love it. I think it's great, and I, the listeners will love it. I'll make them love it. Um, but anyways, Connor, thank you so much for joining. I will see you at the garden or at practice soon. Uh, you can follow Connor over at dot Really great stuff. Great analytics. You'll love it. And on Twitter, it's at Connor Ryan ninety three, right? Uh, Connor Ryan underscore ninety three underscore 93. That's right. Um, but, yeah, Connor's an up-and-coming guy, sort of like myself, but he's obviously way past me. He's the, he's the man. Connor, thank you so much for joining. And for all the listeners out there, thank you for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at E. Marinovsky and Bruins CLNS Twitter at Bruins CLNS. For CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. Have a great week.